The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. And Jay Llewellyn is here. You can find out more at donfox.net. And you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you all. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, Scott. So Jay, who normally talks about insurance, wants to talk about wills today. And mm-hmm. there's so many pitfalls here. You have to be very careful about this sort of thing as opposed to, say, doing it yourself. Right. Yeah, I don't want to be the guy known as talking about death all the time, but uh, <laughs> I'll get into talking about wills, just a little bit about different types of wills, some of the pitfalls about wills, uh, some of the dangers of doing a will yourself, those types of things. So just to quickly start, most people don't uh, don't know what exactly is involved in doing a will. A lot of people think you can just write your own will. Uh, that's called a holograph will when you write your own will. It has to be done in your own handwriting. Um, that's often not witnessed. So someone that's you know on their on their dying days may decide to write a will themselves. Um, not, not the best way to do it. You want to prepare for a will and, and do it the, the traditional way with a, with a lawyer. Um, so a lot of people, when they're doing a will, they look at it and say, well, who am I going to name as my executor? And an executor is someone that basically executes the wishes of, of the person that, that has passed. So any wishes, so in terms of how they want their assets distributed, or how they want uh, their their final their final wishes in terms of how how their funeral is going to look, uh, and and other things, any donations to charities and, and whatnot. So that's what an executor does, and it's often confused. An executor and a power of attorney are often confused. So some people think the power of attorney is the executor. They can be the same thing. Uh, a power of attorney. There's two different types of power of attorneys. There's a power of attorney for care, and there's a power of attorney for property. The power of attorney for care is someone while you're alive is deciding what your what your best interests are on on the level of care that you're going to or that you're going to receive power of attorney for property is is the person that's going to decide on how the money that you have is distributed so often they're the same person but they don't have to be um, and often they, they will be different just to for a conflict of interest for example you know someone you got a, a two kids that are one's one's a power of attorney for care one of the is a power of attorney for property. One's deciding on the level of care and one's dishing out the money. So then they both have say in the matter of what type of care that, that mom's going to have because one's paying for it and one's deciding where, where mom or dad's going to be. Um, the other thing is a beneficiary in a, in a will. So those three elements, the executor, the power of attorney, and, and the beneficiary. Power of attorney is separate from a will. Um, beneficiaries in the will are, are can be different than the executor or they can be the same as the executor. So lots of different moving parts uh, with a will. So I recommend, again, that you use a lawyer. So a traditional will is done with a lawyer. A holograph will is something that you do. You handwrite it yourself. It's not witnessed by anyone. Again, not recommended. There's electronic wills that are out there now um, that you can do online. And again, if they're not completed properly, um, they're invalid. Um, they need. To, they also need to be. They also need to be uh, witnessed. And and often when they're when they're done electronically, some of the the fill in the blanks are missed or not done properly. Um, there's a notarial will. And that's notarized by a by a notary. Um, and then there's a fill in the blank will. So like a Costco will kit or something like that. Believe it or not, Costco has wills. Yeah, 
It's true. <laughs> you can buy a will at Costco. Uh, you can buy everything at Costco, but you can a you will can and a hot dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Yeah. And, so and, and pet insurance. Yes. And pet insurance. Yeah, yeah for <laughs> sure. you're right. Anyway, so um, the will kits at Costco are, are great um, if they're done properly and they're witnessed and they're done. Uh, the way the way your wishes are but there, there's lots of pitfalls with those so have, i'll just share a quick story had a client uh wanted to save a few dollars bought a will kit at, at costco didn't consult myself didn't consult a lawyer uh she left everything in her will in the costco will to her three children which she thought she was doing the right thing uh unfortunately she passed away at the age of 37 with three three young children which was which was devastating to the family um, again she thought she had done everything right leaving everything to the kids other than the, the matrimonial home so the husband receives receives the home and the kids receive all the assets including life insurance so everything that went to the kids because they were minors and she wasn't aware of this goes into trust and what that means is that the province now has control of that money and dictates how it's spent. So even though there's a surviving spouse, a father and three children, that money is now in control of the province until, until the kids are 18. Now, in this case, the kids, there was a six-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a 10-year-old, I believe. Um, that money stayed in, in trust till they were 18. So the kids were playing rep hockey. Uh, the husband or the, the surviving father wanted to use some of that money to pay for rep hockey, not allowed. It was denied by, by the province. Um, orthodontics, he wanted to put braces on the kids, denied. Um, he wasn't able to use the money to pay for mortgage payments. So when money goes into trust for children um, or minors at the age of 18 or before the age of 18, it can be really uh, traumatic on, in terms of uh, the finances for the, for the household. So she thought she was doing the right thing by leaving all the money to the kids, making sure they were taken care of. And it seemed like a nice gesture, but it was exactly the wrong thing to do. The money should have been left to the, to the father for him to distribute. And there could have been other wishes in her will, you know, leaving money for the kids, leaving for the money, money for the kids in their education. Um, but in this case, it was all left to the kids. So they got the money at 18. The other pitfall is they get the money at 18. Yeah. Right. And Don and I have seen it a number of times when, when you receive money at 18. Um, I don't know about you, but when I was 18, I wasn't making the best decisions. Um, it lasts until you're 20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You're doing, you'd be doing well, Scott, if that was the case. Yeah. Wow. We, yeah. yeah. We've, we have seen clients where they receive that money at 18 and, you know, buy a sports car, buy a jet ski, uh, go on fancy trips and, and treat their friends to, to all kinds of fun things. And, and the money's gone. And so that's, that's one of the pitfalls of doing a will yourself is that you can really run into trouble. You think you're doing the right thing and, and getting your, your finances in order and, and you really haven't. Um, you've really done a disservice to your, your whole financial plan. So it's worth sitting down with a lawyer. We're sitting down with one, one, a financial advisor and going through and what makes sense and, and going through the process. It costs a little bit more. Yes, for sure. Than what, what Costco costs. But, um, I, I think it's a, a, a wise choice to enlist the services of a lawyer. The other thing that is common now or getting more and more common is, is a moral will. And what a moral will is, it's, it's more customized. So it's not your cookie cutter type will where you're, um, where you're just leaving money 50% to one child, 50% to one child, or leaving everything to your spouse. You're looking at it and saying, I'm going to give the, the funds to my children when, I, when we pass on, but 
there's there's criteria that have to be met before the, the funds are distributed. So certain things, uh, certain ages. So maybe you, you leave the money to the kids, half the money to the kids at 25, and then the other half at 35. Again, coming back to our example, at 25, you might not be the most responsible, um, or maybe you are. And, and if, you, if you do blow it, you get another chance at 35 to go through it all over again um, with the other half of the estate. So that's, that's one, one of the criteria or some of the criteria is uh, full-time employment. So some people won't uh, allow the kids to receive the money until they're employed full-time for a certain period of time. So, you know, if they know they're receiving millions of dollars or, or hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe they don't work. Uh, maybe they're not motivated to work. So in order to inherit the money, they'll, they'll put a, a stipulation that they have to be employed full time. Other ones with, uh, are, are uh, looking at uh, donating money to charity or donating time to charity. So if you're going to inherit the money, you have to be volunteering, sitting on a board, volunteering so many hours during a day or during, during a week or a month. Um, married, graduate high school, graduate university, graduate high graduate college, um, owning a home. Um, so a number of different things that come into play with these moral wills, and it's completely customizable to the way or what you, what your wishes are. So I look at, I look at things like that and I say, you know, this is something where you can really get creative with your lawyer and, and put specifics in there that you, that you really want to make sure your kids are, are set up for the rest of, uh, the rest of their life. The one it thing cost that, you, would it cost uh, you any more, Jay, to add all of this stuff to it? Or is that part of a, it's up to you what you do with your time with the lawyer? Yeah. So often Don and I will send out uh, kind of a summary to, to our clients beforehand to kind of get all your, your, your ducks in a row before you go see the lawyer. And it's highly mm -hmm. recommended that you, you have a discussion with your spouse or, or your, your better half on, on how you're going to distribute your estate and what your wishes are. So you get those, those those documents together and you get those wishes together prior to putting, uh, putting that meeting together with a lawyer. It just makes mm -hmm. sense to, to say, okay, what are, what are we actually doing here before we go in and sit with the lawyer? And as opposed to, again, I don't want to call it a cookie cutter, but most wills are, are fairly cookie cutter. And if you want to customize it, lawyers, once you're meeting with them, it's, it's a simple, another liner, uh, notation in the, in the will. So it doesn't, it doesn't cost a whole lot more to do something like that. If, if anything, if you've got extra wishes, um, it's, it's not something that costs a, a ton of money to do. And I think it's a great thing to do. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here along with Jay Llewellyn from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. DonFox.net to find out more and you can reach them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here with Fox Group Private Wealth Management along with Jay Llewellyn. You can reach them at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Uh, Don, we're going to talk about giving away cash before you actually pass. Yeah, have that nice, uh, it, nice slogan it, it, there. It, nice it, slogan, you have, Scott. 
I'm guessing you have to be careful when you're doing this. Absolutely. And, you know, as Jay was mentioning, okay, I'm not going to talk about the death part. I'm going to see, you know, while you're alive. Okay. I know Jay seems to be on a trend so far, but you, uh, you get the good stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, go just uh, piggybacking on Jay a little bit here. There's so many things you should really sit down with a financial planner before and what wills are one of them absolutely had that situation you know that client that jay had sat down gone through all these details before as opposed to unbeknown to him gone and got this will things would have been a lot different and same with um you know having your will structured as jay was mentioning before of 25 getting some 30 i know it's uh sometimes it's to protect the people about from themselves but even if you have very responsible kids you often are also protecting against their common law spouses or or a future divorce um there's a lot of other things that you know we we discuss and these are the kind of discussions we have during a meeting going through the whole will process and then saying okay here's your discussion here's your cole's notes and take this to your lawyer and then you can devise it even then quite often we'll have a draft sent to us and we'll look over the draft to make sure it's still what we discussed during our meeting. And if it's a very complicated will, we actually have um, tax lawyers at our head office that we'll send the wills to. And then we'll get a, we'll have them go through the whole will and say, okay, maybe they overlooked this or here's some more risks. And it's quite interesting. Uh, it's quite at a higher level. And they'll, they'll go through the risks of, of how that will was written. So anyway, well, yeah, it's uh, financial planning is not, as we've talked about and all these listeners know, is not simply about, okay, invest your money and here's how you should do it. A holistic financial plan should involve the will side and, and the power of attorney side. Now, the other part I get, and I know Jay and our whole team get this quite often, they've built up a pretty good nest egg and they're getting on in years and they're always wondering, okay, can I help my kids or should I help my grandkids at this time? And there's kind of an old saying, Better to give with a warm hand than a cold one. <laughs> and it's really called a living inheritance. You actually are giving the hand. You're actually seeing the money flow through to the next generation. And it's kind of nice. You know, you get to see how you can actually benefit your kids while they're alive. Uh, maybe they can start a business with it. Uh, maybe just paying off car loan. And all of a sudden, they don't have this five or six or $700 per month payment and that can make all the difference in the world of them just scraping by or them actually enjoying life. So financial planning is in money in general is an emotional subject. Okay. And this is where no different than the will planning. If you're going to do a, if you're going to have a substantial gift, you should sit down with a financial planner and discuss this. And, uh, one example, I had a client and thankfully came to me first and they suggested, you know, Don, I'm looking at gifting $50,000 to my daughter. Um, you know, I just wanted to know how will this affect my plan? I said, not a problem. So she came into the office and uh, we went through the plan. Now, part of our plan has what we have called a, uh, the probability of success. And her probability of success was not, it wasn't bad. It was pretty good before. It was 89%. So we'll take that pretty, you know, we'll take 89% any day. Like, but it, it wasn't like 100%. And by gifting 50,000, it dropped her probability of success from 89% to 37%. Ooh. Huge <laughs> drop. Mm-hmm. Now you've gone from basically, a, you know, an A minus to a, a D minus. 
just from that 50,000, because it literally is a, was almost a tipping point. So based on that information, she said, okay, definitely not going to give this to my daughter and can explain the daughter that we're the bad guys. Okay. We went, I went to my financial planner. Um, I'm okay. You will not have to take care of me while I'm retired. However, if I did give this to you now, there's a good chance I'm going to be needing you later to, to look after me. And so it, it was a, a good conversation. But again, it's nice to have eyes wide open going into that meeting rather than simply, I've given my daughter 50,000. Um, this won't affect my plan, will it, Don? <laughs> I said, uh, yeah, too late. Uh, yes. So it how does it affect the plan if the mother does end up moving in with the kids? Do you run those kind of numbers, Don? <laughs> <laughs> well, which part of the plan, the financial one or the emotional one? <laughs> well, either one. You take yeah, your pick. enough. I'll get on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, couch surfing at age 80 is not fun. Yeah, there so, you go. <laughs> uh, but trick is, the really, the trick is not to give too much away. Um, you know, there's two sides of this too, because you can end up spoiling the kids. And it's like, okay, well, if I give them a couple hundred thousand dollars, um, maybe they take trips with this money. Uh, maybe they end up buying those sports cards, as Jay just mentioned. Maybe they change their, their lifestyle dramatically because all of a sudden they have this money burning a hole in their pocket. And you really don't want that. That wasn't the point. At the same time, if you give away too much, it could curb your lifestyle dramatically while you're retired, as we just discussed. So, and personally, I've, I've seen both. I've seen both of these outcomes. I've seen them. Um, I've seen when they've given money to the kids. And yeah, first thing was a new car. Then they went on a trip. And honestly, those funds lasted. It's almost like, an, it's like a winning a lottery. Those funds lasted less than five years. I've also seen where the kids of their parents have given away too much and it's dramatically affected their own retirement and they can't travel anymore. So it's a lose-lose. You really have to you know, go through these and see what's, you know, what's, what's a good amount. And again, we're not biased. You know, our whole team, we look at the situation and we go through it and it's, we try to take the emotion out of it. And, and, and I know it is emotional and I love, we love seeing them help their kids too, or grandkids, but again, what's the impact of it? And there might not be any impact, but we at least go through it. So, you know, it's interesting, a poll from CIBC, they went and it looks at over 50% have given money or plan to give an early inheritance. So this is a conversation happening all the time. Now, the upside of giving money is, like I mentioned, you get to see how it affects their life in a better way. And even, again, having a new deck or a new fence. So they, they, the parents come over and says, you know what? We're sitting on that deck. We're enjoying this deck now while, we're in, in, while they're alive. Lots okay. of swimming pools in the last summer that we're putting. <laughs> yeah, yeah thanks, COVID. Thanks, thanks to parents. Uh, yeah. Swimming pools and... And, and for that matter, even cars, 60%, uh, not cars, sorry, but homes, 60% of homes, new homes, by, uh, like new homeowners are being helped by parents at this stage. So parents, you are know, it's interesting. Out. It's interesting you bring that up, Don, because it seems as if this is now just a viable option that people are assuming, but not necessarily because there's a lot of chatter about, well, you know, I'll just get it from the bank of mom and dad. hundred uh, percent. And I don't know if this is perhaps the mom and dad's fault of uh, being giving a lot over the years. Yeah. And now they're into their you know, 30s or late 20s. And they say, oh, well, I'll just keep 
going, hitting the top. And so yeah. who knows? But at the end of the day, it's kind of interesting. I often joke with my clients is that, well, I'm sure your parents gave you a few hundred thousand help of your, your first house. Or your, it was or... different then, Don, though. It was different <laughs> then. It, and they all laugh because they, yeah. they didn't get a nickel. And yeah. uh, of course, an inheritance, but they never got any money at that time. So yeah, exactly. Now, now there is a one another advantage. There is no gift tax. So if you give gift money to your child, and your child is over eighteen, okay, there's no there's no tax on this. There's no rules of at, um, attri attribution rules that I'll be going through in a bit. So there's no downside. Um, you end up reducing your own estate tax down the road, because if it's left in your estate. There is the probate tax, which is 1.5%. Not a lot, but on $100,000, there's $1,500 that you could avoid. Okay. And, uh, and also, you could avoid perhaps capital gains down the road. So you may trigger a capital gain now so the, it won't get that much larger later when, you, when they inherit the money. But again, this is all about sitting down with a financial planner and have this intergenerational discussion which we often do. So this is, this is key because truly when it's about money and gift and kids, it's a very emotional subject and it could be a really good emotion, but it could also go sideways on you. Mm -hmm. um, and, and another great thing, another upside is helping education. I'm a big believer that grandparents, um, if possible, could help out with the RESPs. Um, they're often in a far better financial situation than the parents. And if they can add a couple thousand every year to the RESPs to each grandkid, uh, what a benefit. Um, I know your kids just went to, you've got one in school here, Scott, and the RESPs make a massive difference. Oh, it really does. And, you know, to get started as soon as your, you know, child is born is the key. And then you slow. And again, it's tough to put money away then. But boy, uh, try coming up with all that money at the end when you're middle aged. I mean, it's pretty tough. So it's certainly it's certainly the way to go. I couldn't recommend that enough. Yeah. And it, it ends up being more of a speed bump, a financial speed bump rather mm -hmm. than, oh, where am I going to get this money from? Yeah. Now, the exactly. downside, the downside of gifting money while you're alive is money is really a magnifier. It can be a great thing. It magnifies the good, but also can really magnify the bad. So if you're gifting money to a child and let's say they have an addiction problem, well, at that, giving money is not going to help uh, an addiction. So if they gamble or, or alcohol or drug abuse, whatever, you're actually enabling more of that. Um, now, this is likely going to happen when you die anyway. But what I look at this is it's almost like a trial, a trial inheritance. Okay, L let me give you $100,000 and see how you do. And you find that they end up blowing it. As Jay said, we can, they can be put, the inheritance can be, or the will rather could be changed to have it go into a trust. Mm -hmm. So instead of getting them a lot of money in one lump sum, you say, you know what? I gave you some money. You end up blowing it. You end up uh, gambling it away. I'm now going to put my money in a trust and you're going to get X amount of dollars for the rest of your life as opposed to a lump sum. So, and this is a discussion you can have. It's always good to have a financial planner in this meeting again. Having that third party, what a difference it makes. It really increases the success odds, okay? So other things that a planner would do in this type of meeting, it would look at the tax consequences, um, income tax of doing it now versus later. The OAS clawback, if you gift money now, um, depending on where your income is, and if you're over 65, you might have some of your old age security clawed back 
So you might be wise to give the gift over a few years rather than one lump sum. Okay. Or even the parents may even take a small loan to spread it over two years. So it is interesting. I, I you know, I've, I've even had, unfortunately, I had one client just say, I'm going to, I've gifted my money. I've already promised my kids. I'm going to help buy a house, $50,000. Well, there was no non-registered money. This all had to come out of RSPs. And of course that ended up triggering a big tax bill. So we did do it over two years. Um, but again, had we had a, this meeting before, it would have been a little bit different. So there is things called attribution rules. And this is where, you know, you're gifting money to your spouse or common law or a minor. And it's really a cash gift. And it's really what the government looks at this and says, well, you're just trying to split your income. So let's say you had $500,000 earning 4% and you're in a high tax bracket. And you say, you know what, this would be better in my wife's name or my common law's name or my child's name. And you just gifted that 500,000 and, and, and it's still making in 4%. Well, the government will say, okay, well, that's, that's there just simply to save some income tax. And therefore we're going to attribute it that the tax that you, from your spouse back onto your tax bill or on your son or daughter back onto your tax bill. So they do get down on this, but at the, at the same time, uh, some parents, what they've done is taken a, a big holiday. And that's a, that's a great way to have a gift. Um, I, nobody, certainly after COVID, when things open up, I think everybody's kind of chomping at the bit to have a holiday. And you see these three-generation holidays where grandma and grandpa are, are footing the bill. Well, there are more pictures that I've seen at houses where you see these multi-generational holidays. And, you know, there's nothing more that, He's talking about emotion. That, that one's always a great one. And when mm -hmm. they end up at some type of house, you always see it's always a giant picture. Oh, yeah, we went there and we took all. And there's always a story to that. So, you know, you, money's there to live. And that's not a bad way to do it. But uh, gifting, even things of value are, are tricky. So if you have a piece of art or a coin collection and it, you paid, say, $1,000, it's now worth $10,000. The government will call that a deemed disposition. And there's a capital gain on that. So you have to be careful on what you're gifting. So it's usually better to gift cash. But again, like I mentioned, see a financial planner first, go through what your plans are, and we could work through here's the tax ramification or, or perhaps here's a better way of doing it before you announce this gift. And then I love, we love being part of the process. At the end of the day, anybody getting a gift is going to have a great smile on their face. <laughs> we are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here along with Jay Llewellyn from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can reach them at donfox.net or call IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Taking a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here along with Jay Llewellyn from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. DonFox.net to find out more or you can call IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. So I guess the big question here is, Jay, is how much money do you need to get through all of this? 
Yeah, finally, I get to talk about something fun about spending money. There you money. go. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, a lot of people come to us all the time and say, how much do I need? You know, do I have enough? And, and like Don was mentioning earlier, we go through a comprehensive retirement analysis, figure out what, what the success rate is of how much you have, how much you've saved, how much you can spend, how much you can gift. So we go through that whole process. But in general, um, there's been a lot of studies over the years, but uh, not too many in recent times, but withdrawal rates out of your retirement spending have been set at around 4%. And that's that's kind of a bar where people say, if I, if I take up 4% out of my retirement savings, index it to inflation, I'll be, I'll be okay for the next 30 years. And that's that was done back in 1994, that study. And I just, I don't believe it stands true as much anymore. Just just looking at what was going on in 1994. 1994, interest rates were at 6.88%. That was the prime rate. So today we're far lower than that. And for the last 12 years, we've been in a low interest rate environment. So those uh, those estimations in 1994 saying that 4% was going to last you forever was based on the fact that investments were doing a lot, a lot better than what they are now in terms of interest rates. So people were getting 6% in a GIC and now they're getting 1% and 2%. So the, the fact is that the return rates on investments aren't as great as they were back in the 90s. Um, so we've, we've had to change our tune a little bit. And that, that study that was done saying 4% was, was the way to go. And consistently every year you could take out 4%. There's a, I have problems with that as well, is that people spending in retirement isn't consistent. You don't spend the same much same amount every single day. Um, especially if you look back at COVID, what, what's gone on in the last two years. And at the beginning of COVID, everyone went into a standstill state and no one was spending money. No one was traveling. They were maybe buying groceries and things like that, stockpiling their groceries, but they weren't traveling. They weren't, they weren't going to restaurants. They weren't, they weren't going on trips. Uh, you know, with family, they weren't, they weren't spending money on extracurricular activities. So, I think the spending has changed in the last little while, but that's not, that's just because of COVID. I, I think people spending in retirement is definitely more sporadic. There are people that do the same amount every month and they don't have a lot of extra, extra spending that they do. But there are a lot of people in retirement that are, are in a position where they're able to go on trips once a year or twice a year and the, and the spending changes month to month. So taking that 4% out every every month um, is not necessarily consistent. So in good years and bad years, you want to make sure that you're you're looking at what's going on. So when the market's down, like we just had, we just went through a, a, a big drop in the market back at the beginning of COVID, the, the market dropped 30%. So when people were taking their money out, let's say you're taking $10,000 out a month. Uh, I don't know, that's a lot of money, but let's say you're taking $10,000 out a month to, to live your lifestyle. If you were taking it out every month and then when COVID hit, that $10,000 that you need to take out dropped by 30%. Um, that's a significant drop in your investment. So what we did during that time for a lot of our clients was say, you know what, let's put your retirement spending on hold. First of all, you're not spending the money, so you don't need to take out 10,000. Maybe let's, let's adjust how much you actually need. Second of all, maybe we don't touch that money in your investments because they're down 30%. Let's borrow. Let's use your line of credit that you have uh, secured with your home or, or, or not, um, and use that money, use the $10,000 a month and, and use it until the market comes back. So in one example, we had 
uh, one woman, again, taking out $10,000 a month uh, for, the, for the seven months while the market was down, which is what it took. The market was down 30%. It took seven months for it to bounce back. So the cost to her during that time was about $400 to borrow that money for those seven months. The, the net difference in leaving the money in her investments during that time, her investments would have been down about $6,700 during that time. So that's $6,700 that she didn't touch in her investments and allowed it to come back and grow, grow back up to that original amount that she had in her investments uh, took seven months. So the difference between her spending $400 in, in interest on that, on that line of credit and the $6,700 is $6,300 difference just in a seven month period of time. So the little strategies like that um, during that time, you, you don't necessarily want to just take out the 4% all the time out of your investments. It's, it's sporadic and things change and markets change, lifestyle changes, things, things change during your retirement. So it's not always consistent and pulling money out of your investments all the time at the exact same amount doesn't always make sense. So that's, that's just what I, from that 4% rule, just don't use it as gospel all the time is all I'm, I'm getting at. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. DonFox.net to find out more, or you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. I'm going to take a quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here along with Jay Llewellyn from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. DonFox.net to find out more or you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management 905-972-7420. Don, you want to talk about pandemic pets? Are we switching the dynamic of the show here? What's going on? Well, it's not a surprise. I'm sure most listeners of her eras have been a boom for dogs and cats in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Absolute boom. Uh, you know, and, and if you have you used to see your neighbors just walking at the beginning of the pandemic, and now you're seeing yeah. them walking with a dog. Yeah. Okay. And it's uh it's been amazing. And you know, good for that. Um the prices of pets went dramatically up. In fact, millennials are now the largest generation of pet owners. And I can attest to this. I've got two millennial kids and both have a dog now so i got mm. cooper and morris we are now have grand dogs we didn't get grandkids yet but uh, we have grand dogs <laughs> and just like grandkids they get sloughed off over at the grandparents house all the time which is a riot we have a good time we have a we have a dog too so it's a bit of a gong show but at the end of the day there's a cost for these pets and it's interesting how a lot of people go and they you know buy a dog or a cat and they say, okay, well, you know, there's a cost. You got to put some food in it. And that's about it. You know, maybe the odd bet bill. But, you know, when you start adding it up and depending on the size, and I'm going to go with dogs for, um, for a second here, but the, the size of the pet. So you look at, a, you know, the foods and treats cost about 250 to $700 a year. Okay. Toys, 50 bucks a month. And I'm just saying, this is on average. <laughs> it's amazing what they will spend on pets for toys. Christmas gifts are nothing compared to what dogs get and cats get. And plus, they wreck them within no time. We, we, we have been a subscriber to Bowser Box and Bark Box. And it's about $50 a month. They arrive every, every month with a toy. And my dog rips, it, rips the box to shreds, 
loves it. It's like Christmas every month. But uh, yeah, uh, if you don't, if you don't do, do you it that a, way, did you get a Dawn box every week or every month? Dawn, come on! <laughs> well, <laughs> I want a J box. Yeah, I want a Scott I, box. <laughs> I I get the enjoyment of watching them rip through my fifty dollars worth of toys in about a couple of days. So it's I'll a send you a box with fifty uh, toonies in it, or sorry, fifty loonies in it. There you go. <laughs> exactly, that'd be nice. Thanks, Scott. Um, dog beds. 200 bucks a year generally leashes and collars 50 and those are the cheap ones you can get your team names on them you know your new york ranger fan like our family is you get those or the tie cat fans i'm sure there's dog leashes for them i haven't got one yet but you know i'm just note to take to myself here is i gotta look at those grooming costs you know if they shed or if they need to be cut like like people 30 to 500 bucks a year vet bills just routine ones are seven hundred to two thousand dollars a year, and you know ticks were really bad this year. So then they had to get these medication for ticks, so that the ticks died and the dogs didn't. Funny enough, there isn't this medication for humans. I don't get this. <laughs> we we take our life in our hands walking the trails, but the the dogs are okay. They have no issues with ticks. Um, training, of course, these dogs just don't show up trained. Um, it's kind of a, it's a rude awakening on how much training pets need. So that's 25 to $300 a year. And if it's all good when you were at home and you had your dog in your condo or your house, and all of a sudden you're called back to work and Zoom calls aren't going to be the thing anymore. And you have to now go to the office two, three days a week. All of a sudden there's walking costs and that can cost up to zero if you walk them, but up to $5,000 a year to get a pet walker. Then there's just pet sitting and boarding costs. And if travel comes back, you know, it can be a couple thousand dollars a year to have your dog left at a boarding. So, yeah, the cost can be anywhere from about $1,500 a year to up to $10,000 a year. And that is the cost of pet. And that is not including, you know, a major um, vet bill, which can really throw go through the roof there. So, yeah, the initial cost of the pet is not what you look at. That You know, a purebred can go as high as, say, $4,000. Um, and maybe you go to a shelter, get a, a mixed breed or a rescue dog for a couple hundred. But then you have to get vaccines and, and spayed or neutered. And there's another, call it $1,000. Lots of advantages of having a pet. I love dogs. But uh, there is some cost. So one thought was pet insurance. And, and you know, another show I'm going to go through all the pros and cons of, of pet insurance. But at the end of the day, it might make sense, but you really do have to go through it carefully. And no joke, Costco does sell pet insurance. I did check this out. <laughs> and Wills. And Wills, yes. <laughs> and a hot dog, I might yeah. add. Yes. But that has nothing to do with your pet, by the way. Uh, we have been planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn have been here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. DonFox.net to find out more, or you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. This has been fun. I got to go take the dog for a while. <laughs> okay, Thanks, Scott. Scott. Enjoy. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.